Hi, this is Jovi. This is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Bed Crime Crime Stories. Stories. This is a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and we take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. All the stories. All night. Um, uh, One day. I know. I know. I'm not letting you. I I refuse. I'm cutting you off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. It's just always the first thing that comes to my mind. I can't help it. I know. I'm a child of the 80s. What do you want from me? What do you want from my life? <laughs> what do you want from me? So, Charlie, I heard that you had something that you wanted to talk about in our last episode, and then you forgot. Yes, mm. I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a true crime recommendation. Oh, okay. okay. But it is not a television show or a movie. Oh. It is a podcast. Okay. So, as you guys all know, uh, we are My Favorite Murder listeners. Yes. There is a new show on the Exactly Right Podcast Network that is hosted, co-hosted by Paul Holes, Paul Holes. and Kate Winkler Dawson. Ooh. So she is the host of Tenfold More Wicked, and obviously Paul Holes is the former host of Jensen and Holes mm-hmm. because Billy Jensen went bye-bye. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. MRF or just got out of rehab. He posted something on Instagram. It's like, mm. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I'm yeah. not buying what you're selling. But anyway. <laughs> So the two of them have a podcast together. It just started probably like last month or a month and a half ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's called Buried Bones. Ooh. And it's fucking fantastic. Okay. So basically what happened was, so basically <laughs> what happens is Kate Winkler Dawson picks a true crime story that is like old. Okay. So it's everything's pretty much like 1930s and older. Okay. And that's from the five episodes I've listened to so far. And she explains the case in detail and like takes it nice and slow and goes like little bit by bit. And Paul Holes gives his like expert opinion on all the information that she's giving oh. and like kind of deconstructs the forensic forensics from back in the day. Oh, how fun. And then he like does his final guess of whether or not like the person who was the suspect did it or who the suspect should be and blah, blah, blah and whether or not it was solved and mm-hmm. was it correct and blah, blah, blah. It's so good. It sounds it's so, so fun. Good. Like, it's, yes. it sounds super interesting. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to have to give it a shot. It's not super long. The longest episode is only 63, 63 minutes. Oh, wow. So it's not a long show. Um it's great it's great i had to go down i had to travel for work on monday um and my drive down took me like two and a half hours my drive up took me over three hours so that's how i got through (laughs) the first five episodes i'm i love it i'm hooked it's great all right highly recommend it a shot i'm gonna give it a shot it's real good not that they like need us to recommend it to people right i'm sure they're doing just fine i'm sure but it's really good it's very well done it's very interesting. It's good. I love All it. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. 10 out of 10 would recommend. All right. Maybe when I start going back into the office more often, because that's when I listen to my podcast when I drive. Same. Because like I can't listen to a podcast while I'm doing things because yeah. I I won't hear it. Like, you wanna, right. Or you want to stop and listen. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I save my music for like when I'm cleaning and doing things around the house, but like when i'm driving it's podcast because like i i focus better on both the driving and listening to the podcast podcast. right exactly so yeah i do my podcast in the car or when i'm in the shower yes me too 
Those are my two podcast times. I can't do like my sister listens to her podcasts when she's working. Oh, I can't do that. No, no. And I have a friend at work that listens to podcasts when she's actually, she listens to our podcast when she's working. She actually became a fan before she realized it was me. Nice. That's (laughs) even better. I love when that shit happens. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It, um, yeah, no, I don't get it either. Like I would love to. I need to pay attention to if I'm listening to the podcast, I won't pay attention to work. And if I'm paying attention to work, I won't pay attention to the podcast. Correct. And it's like, I would like to actually hear these stories. Like, yeah, I'm I'm listening for a reason. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. I know we just talked about all the things that we were watching, including the vow. In our last episode, was there anything else that you wanted to add? No. Okay. (laughs) I just, you know what? I just Ah. figured I'd ask. I throw it out there. No, no, I got nothing. No. I did my true crime headlines in the last episode. I got nothing. Fair. That is fair. I, was, I just wanted to remember to tell you guys about Buried Bones because it's really good. Which is very important. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, with that being said, since we have nothing to add since we talked for a, quite a while about the vow in our last episode, Charlie, why don't you tell us our bed crime story tonight? I would love to. Awesome. So, if you guys recall, way back two weeks ago, <laughs> way back, <laughs> I did way back. It was a long time ago. It's two whole weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't remember, you can pause, go back to <laughs> two episodes above this, click play, and remind yourself. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. two weeks ago, I told a story about Sherry Papini who faked her own kidnapping. This bitch. Yep. Yes. And in that episode, we talked about missing white woman syndrome. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and how the, you know, there is a, uh, a thing with the media that when women go missing, specifically white women, specifically pretty white women, specifically pretty white women who are like young married and moms, mm-hmm. probably the exception to what I just said is like Natalie Holloway and Gabby Petito, but it's usually like young moms or what have you. Right. Anyway, right. Specifically when younger pretty white women go missing the media just it it takes over the airways that's anything anybody's talking about it becomes incredibly um sensationalized and there's so much tension brought to it Mm -hmm. and because of that women who go missing who are white young and pretty tend to get found faster than missing women of color right sadly very sadly correct so to be the anti Sherry Papini, <laughs> I am going to tell one of those stories. Nice. So I'm going to tell the story of the disappearance of Tianda and Diamond Bradley. My sources for this story are the FBI.gov website, Ooh. NBC News, the Charlie Project, the Chicago Sun Times, and the Chicago Tribune News. And I got a little bit of uh, narrative information from the suitcasedetective.com, which is the blog. Oh, I was going to say, I never heard of that one before. Yes. All right. <clears throat> okay. So on July 6, 2001, three-year-old Diamond Yvette Bradley and her sister, 10-year-old Tianda Bradley, were reported missing to the Chicago Police Department in Chicago, Illinois, by their mother, Tracy Bradley. At the time of their disappearance, Tianda and Diamond were living with their mother and two other sisters, Victoria, who was nine, and Rita, who was 12, in the Lake Grove Village Apartments complex in the Oakland neighborhood on the south side of the city. Okay. 
The day that Tianda and Diamond went missing, they were planning on going to a camping trip to Lake Schaefer in Indiana with their mother and her boyfriend. Their sisters, Victoria and Rita, were not going to go on the trip and had been dropped off at their grandmother's house or grandmother's apartment earlier the evening before. Okay. At approximately 6.30 in the morning on the 6th of July, Tracy leaves for work, leaving both young girls home alone. Mm. She worked at Robert Taylor Park, where she was preparing lunches for the summer camp kids. So when she returned to the apartment, it was about between like 11.30 and 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. She did not find the girls. She found a note that was left, and it was on like the back of the couch. The note was apparently written by 10-year-old Tianda, and it said that she and Diamond were going to go to the school that Tianda attended and then to a nearby store. It was called like a jewel. It was like jewel convenience store or something like that. Okay. that's. I think that's actually a supermarket. The jewel. It was called the Jewel Supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> the Jewel Supermarket. Yes. Um, now, the handwriting did indeed match that of Tianda, and they actually did later FBI um, analysis of the handwriting, and it did come back that it was a match for Tianda's handwriting. Okay. The grammar and the spelling of the note was off, according uh... to family members. So Tianda was enrolled in summer school to help improve her reading and writing. And her family states that if she did write the note, she did so, it seemed as though she did so with coaching, perhaps by the person who maybe abducted them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that it very may well have been somebody that they knew and trusted. Well, yeah, if they're going to take direction, you would mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to say that like handwriting analysis is fascinating. So interesting. It's fascinating. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Hold hard on our. <laughs> I said that weird. You did. Uh, you did. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. It was also unlikely that the girls would have left a note at all. So normally, if anything goes on during the day and they ever like needed to leave the apartment or whatever, if anything happened during the day, they would always call their mother's cell phone. So the note in and of itself was off. off. Yeah. Yes. Several neighborhood children told authorities that they saw Tianda and Diamond playing outside near the school at around noon, but neither of the girls were ever seen again. That summer, one of the largest missing person search in Chicago was launched to try and find these girls. Over the course of several months, close to 5,300 abandoned buildings were searched, as were dumpsters. Yeah, as were dumpsters, sewers, and wooded areas. More than 100 registered sex offenders were interviewed. No shit. Mm-hmm. So they weren't fucking around. They were not fucking around whatsoever. There was a private investigator that started working for the family completely pro bono, and he actually still keeps in touch with the family. Nice. He looked into the security cameras that were outside of the apartment complex, but they didn't catch anything. It looked as though the cameras had been pushed upward like focusing upward Mm. and he said that it's likely that some residents may have wanted to hide criminal activity that happens outside of the apartment complex or this person that kidnapped them knew that the camera was there there and correct correct Mm -hmm. investigators followed leads from across the country they looked into reported sightings and readings by psychics but no trace of tianda and diamond were ever found Their disappearance became national news and was even featured on America's Most Wanted uh, five different times. Oh, wow. Between, yeah, between 2001 and 2003. 
And every single time they would uh, air the story, leads would come pouring in. Um, and some of them were are even promising to this day, but none of the leads ever, you know, know, came to any arrests. Yeah. Mm. According to the family, Tianda did call her mother that morning and even left a voicemail on Tracy's cell phone around 8.17 a.m. Asking permission to let a man in. Oh, Yes, Tianda used a first name in the message, this man to let in. Now, the first name she used was shared by both Tracy's boyfriend and a neighbor. But it is it is important to note that the neighbor with this name usually was called by a nickname by the girls. Okay. Okay, so they would probably say the nickname over his real correct. name. Correct. Got correct. it. Okay. Now, the story that I use as my primary resource never names the boyfriend. Other news articles did, but I'm going to continue with the anonymity of the boyfriend strictly because nobody's ever been charged in the case. Yeah. So if it's good enough for the Chicago Sun-Times, it's good enough for Charlie. Makes sense. So I will keep him anonymous. The boyfriend confirmed that he had taken Tracy to work that morning, but he denies ever going back to the apartment when the girls were alone. And he also denies that he was there when they called to say somebody was at the door. Mm-hmm. Family alleged that the Chicago police accidentally deleted the voicemail off the cell phone when they brought it down to the station. But law enforcement officers say that they've never heard it and could not confirm that an officer deleted the message. Hmm. Yeah. Relatives say family, friends, and law enforcement came in and out of the apartment before investigators ever cleared the space to take fingerprints and gather other evidence for several days after the girls were gone. I hate when that happens. I know. The girl's great aunt was quoted to say, quote, it wasn't taped off at all, and that to me was a valuable mistake. Agreed. Yeah. Police investigators familiar with the case could not confirm that the scene was not cleared in search earlier. (laughs) So a lot of he said, she said. Right. The day of the girl's disappearance, police took Tracy and her boyfriend in for 22 hours of questioning separately. Holy shit. Yeah. And it, like, goes on to talk about how Tracy was very, like, weary of the police. And it's kind of, it even said in the article, like, likely stemming from the questioning that she endured from the very beginning. Like, she was handcuffed at one point. Like, it's. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was. Not great. they also both took lie detector tests police say that they both passed the lie detector but the the private detective said that the boyfriend's test was inconclusive initially investigators focused on tracy's boyfriend who of course was close to the girls he was around a lot Mm -hmm. Um, they were going to be going away on that camping trip together Several pieces of evidence did point in his direction. For one, investigators found a hair matching Tionda and Tracy's DNA in his vehicle's trunk. But he told police that he used to sneak the girls into drive-ins in the city. Okay. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And also, as we know now with DNA, again, I'm not making excuses for anybody. I'm just saying, like, as we know now with DNA, obviously, if he was in the apartment, there's a good chance that he would have gotten one of Tianda's hairs on his clothes or on a bag that he had or something. He puts it in the trunk and now a hair of hers is in the trunk. Correct. Like if he spends that much time with the girls and with with Tracy, there's a good likelihood that there's going to be some sort of trace of them on his things elsewhere. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, That's like like with us, with with our dogs. 
Well, and actually, I was just going to say, Paul Holes was actually talking about it on an episode of Buried Bones. Oh. On the Exactly Right Network. Listen now. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was talking about exactly that with dog hair, of how you can't 100% trust that type of evidence because, you know, I'm covered in hair for my dog, and then I go over to your house, and now my dog's hair is at your house. Correct. My dog's never been to your house. Right. How else? And, you know, if if you were, if you were, basing your entire case on that that's not enough no to, you know it's to... very circumstantial like correct and that's kind of what they said there was all of this evidence that kind of pointed towards him but everything was incredibly circumstantial mm-hmm. now he did offer conflicting stories about his actions on the day that the girls went missing there were four teenagers and three neighbors that said that they saw him setting fire to something in a 55 gallon drum in his backyard and then put the barrel into his car trunk and drove away but he said that not only did he never burn anything in the drum he's never even had a drum he did say that because he was doing refurbishments in his home that he did dump some debris in garbage containers kind of near the park by where he lived okay searched the area but they found nothing family pressed prosecutors to charge the boyfriend but like i said the evidence was incredibly circumstantial and it was just not enough to go further Mm mm-hmm in an interview later, um, the boyfriend denies any involvement with the girls going missing. Um, this was actually as recently as last summer. So last summer, uh, summer of 2021 was the 20 year anniversary. And that's when he was interviewed. Jesus. And he said, quote, I don't know who did anything. I just know I had nothing to do with it. That was 20 years ago. And everyone tried to blame me. Hmm. And he also says that all three of them, meaning the family investigators and the media, all ganged up on him because they couldn't solve it. Yeah. That's kind of like in the story I told last week with uh, with Russell Buchanan. Yeah, they just wanted to point the blame at somebody. Made the most sense because he happened to be with her that night. And right. Right. Exactly. And like this is kind of the same case of he dropped Tracy off at work, and then he has all of these hours he was unaccounted for because he went and picked Tracy up from work mm. and brought her back to the apartment. So like, there's that chunk of time that she was at work that is all account- unaccounted for. Right. And then again, it goes back to that. It's a very he said she said type of a thing. Right. But the family investigators also had other suspects. So there was a man who was a registered sex offender and spent time around the girls. And he later dedicated a book to them, which is just fucking creepy. There's also some family members that say that Tracy may have given $5 to a relative to go watch the girls that day, but that's never been corroborated. Okay. Others allege that the neighbor who the girls had the nickname for once had passed a comment that something bad would happen to them if Tracy kept leaving them alone. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, that's a big, like, a creepy, weird one. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's just like, it's eerie that you would make that comment and then something actually would happen. Right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. But then again, it's one of those like, or maybe something just happened. Right? right. It's just, everything is just so, so incredibly circumstantial with this entire case. Yeah. Then there's the theory of the Moroccan man. So there's this guy who was from Morocco, who was rumored to be Tianda's father. And according to the family, the children who reported seeing the girls in the playground that morning said that they had seen a man who was fair skinned and wearing a trench coat um, approach the girls and speak with specifically speak with Tianda. And the tip led a local reporter to go to Morocco and actually search for the girls, but nothing ever like panned out with that theory. No shit. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's been 21 years, over 21 years now, since Tianda and Diamond disappeared. There's been no trace of the girls. Uh, Most leads have gone cold. 
the number of detectives working the case has dwindled dramatically. Um, at the time of their disappearance, there was more than a hundred people working on the case. And now there's only one person working on it part-time as he okay. handles other cases. And of the five lead detectives on the case, originally three of them have died. Oh my goodness. Yeah. There's a former police officer, a uh, former detective actually started writing a book about the case as a sort of therapy. Cause like you always hear about cops who have like that one case that they can't, kind of break themselves away from right okay. and this seems to be his and he's quoted in the story to say quote there are very few cases in my career where when i don't know who did it it was the most frustrating thing i've worked on in my life and he even goes on to say i'm so dedicated to the cause if it takes my grandchildren's children to find out what happened to diamond and tianda i'm willing to put that at stake Aww. yeah which is really really crazy it really is sad it's Very it's sad. sweet and sad because mm-hmm. he's that dedicated to it but it's sad that Mm-hmm. it's been 21 years and it's yeah. still nothing for sure. Now the fact that Tianda and diamond have even stayed in the spotlight at all and have remained focused in the media um, has obviously a lot to do with the family mm-hmm. specifically. Um, they not only, um, you know, continue to put pressure on law enforcement over the years to continue to look for the girls and, um, to keep the case alive, but they even um, still do an annual candlelight vigil in the area to, to keep their memory alive. So it's, it's something that the family is making sure that nobody forgets about Tianda and diamond. Yeah, absolutely. That's super important for sure. And of course, as we know, right, they're fighting this uphill battle against the system um, strictly because of the fact that, like I said, at the top of the show, missing black children don't get as much attention and um, tend to kind of be cast aside. There was a part of the article that mentions about how um, as, and we've talked about this, right. That kids who are considered runaways, the Amber Amber alert system doesn't get activated for them. Yep. And there's a tendency for law enforcement to consider missing children of color as runaways yeah. rather than have been abduct- abducted. And um, as is kind of the case with Tiana and Diamond is they're actually listed as missing and not as abductees or kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and because of that, because there becomes the stigma with children having run away on their own, um, as it said in the article, it kind of um, adultizes the children and yeah. makes them not seem as frail, right, or worthy of being found. Yeah. And um, all of the stigma comes along with it. So it's mentioned in the article that social scientists have talked a lot about how missing white children, particularly white girls, receive this disproportionate news coverage compared to missing children of color. Um, it talks about the missing white women syndrome um, and how news outlets usually gain um, or dedicate a lot more time and minutes to those types of cases. And of course, as we know, less news coverage can lead to a greater chance that young black children are never found. Or if they are found, it's it's too late and much, much, much later. Correct. Um, and we did see that over the summer last year with Gabby Petito. I know that that was a big thing that her parents were fighting to talk about of, you know, you have all of this energy for Gabby and we were able to find out what happened to her fairly quickly considering. Yeah. 
where is this energy for the others, right? For all of these other young women and children who are just forgotten, right? Are lost and gone. When a child of color is, um, oh, and this is the part where it talks about how uh, they're more likely to be classified as a runaway and receive very little media cover uh, coverage at all. So just a little bit about kind of where the family is now and what they're doing now. April Jackson, who's one of the girl's aunts, she partners with schools to host safety assemblies and help kids make personalized ID cards. She actually was the one who worked with Walmart to put up the missing children's board in every single one of their stores nationwide. I love that. Mm -hmm. So if you walk into a Walmart and like the vestibule by the doors, there's always gigantic billboards with local missing children. Um, She did that. That's amazing. That's amazing. Phenomenal. And then throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, she even printed face masks with the girls' faces on them. Huh. Look at her being all smart and shit. I Mm -hmm. love it. Yeah. So Victoria Bradley, who was the younger of the two surviving Bradley sisters, said that she hasn't celebrated her birthday in the 20 years since the over 20 years since the girls have been gone because her birthday happens to be the day after they went missing. No. Oh, no. And she's gone on to say that her mother, Tracy, suffers from panic attacks and often will just call her crying. That's so sad. Mm hmm. The girl's great aunt seems to kind of be the most active still in the investigation, kind of the the most um, active, not only in their investigation, but in others as well. Like she's actually been brought on to help with other missing children. So um, she was actually involved in 2015 to go help look for a missing Minnesota boy who had disappeared only three blocks from their home. She went to go help find his body, and she did indeed find him on the banks of the Mississippi River. And she was incredibly sad of like, you know, uh, you've taken me to help find someone else, but where are my girls? Like, where are our girls, you know? Right. And again, she seems to be the one who's kind of the most involved um, actively. Actually, at one point, she was suffering from homelessness because she was so involved with her activism that she wasn't able to maintain a job. And she says that even after over 20 years later, she continues to keep hope that something will, you know, there will be some sort of answers. Yeah. Um, she says, quote, people talk, people get old, people go to jail. I'm just praying someone will come forward with the information. The world will know Tianda and Diamond Bradley by the time I'm done. Absolutely. And you know what? More family members and friends need to be like their great aunt like just Mm -hmm. keeping their memory alive keeping Mm -hmm. their names in people's mouths like that's a huge huge deal for sure that is so sad Mm -hmm. so that's the story of tianda and diamond bradley that's terrible who've been missing since july of 2001 that's terrible Mm -hmm. that just made me really sad i know I know that was an, it's an incredibly sad one. Um, I mean, incredibly sad one. And um, I just, again, similar to what we were talking about last week with your story of your non-romantic true loves, right? I think about that with the great aunt specifically of, you know, continuing to be out there and, and making sure that no one forgets them. Yeah. And continuing to fight and continuing to work with law enforcement um, and even the rest of the family, obviously, as well, is incredibly active and and continuing to to keep their memories alive. Yeah. And I just I think that that's, you know, again, going back to you never want to see these awful things happen. But if those, oh, absolutely good, not. those little nuggets of goodness 
can can come from it it's just it's magical i feel like there should be like a special a special department or like a special something that only deals with this type of thing you know what i mean like mm-hmm. where they don't just focus on the missing white women or the you know what i mean it's yeah just the opposite you know what well, i mean like yeah like if i can wave a magic wand it would be to take away all the stigma that goes along with all these stupid like historical preconceived notions about what is happening when children of color go missing and i just think that and again i we've talked about this so many times right of the the thing that frustrates me of well the kid is just a runaway and the fact that kids who who have run away from home there's no amber alert or any type of alert for those kids but there's still children and there's still children who are missing and whether or not they ran away by their own choice, that doesn't mean that they're okay Correct. or that they're safe or that they're in a place where they can save themselves, right? And mm-hmm. it's just, I I get so fucking mad and I get so frustrated when you hear about that yeah. or I'm not going to put in the missing persons report yet because they haven't been gone for X amount of hours and they might just come home on their own anyway. It's like, no, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry. No, it's, you know, and again, whether or not I understand there's not unlimited, there's not unlimited resources in police departments. So you can't just say investigate absolutely everything. I, again, it's like, it's a double-edged sword. Right. And I always, I always tell my boyfriend, whenever we get into debates about things that are like political or what have you, and I was like, I'm not smart enough to have the answer, but I know something has to change. Yeah. Like, I don't have the answer. I don't know what's going to fix it. I'm right. not that person. Right. But I know that what is happening now is not right. No. And it's fucked up. Not and even a little bit. The way that we're going now is fucked up. And I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know how to solve it. But you but know, there needs to be a change. I know what's happening is wrong. Yep. And that's, I mean, that goes for a lot of things that I care about and yep. that upset me. Yeah. So I don't know. This one really upset me last night when I was like doing my final touches on the, on the story. And I was just getting incredibly upset and like looking at their pictures and stuff was making me really sad. And um, yeah. So, and it got me really, and it got me really frustrated too, because I was also, you and I were having the conversation because we were trying to name the Sherry Papini story. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so I was talking about that story and that I was writing this story and it was making me so so angry at sherry papini mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'm just like this is this is the reason why i'm telling the story is yeah. because you know for every one sherry papini there's these hundreds thousands how many countless children agreed and and adults who are gone agreed that there's no nobody seemingly looking for them and even if there's people looking for them, not it, well it's enough. not enough. Right. Exactly. One day, hopefully, it'll change and One things will get day better. At Christmas day. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> that is okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It, this one made me really sad. This one made me really sad. It is. It's very, it's very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Do you have like um any information that if anybody has any, anything like it? Uh, so now this is from um, July of last year, but likely it's still accurate. 
So the FBI asks anyone with information about the disappearance of Tianda and Diamond Bradley to contact the Chicago Police Department detectives at 312-747-8380. You can also contact your local FBI office or the nearest American embassy or consulate. Um, and you can submit an anonymous tip online. There's a link here. So I'll put that in our in the description of this episode and also in our Instagram post for this episode. And then there is a phone number for the family's private detective. You know what? It's public. I'll say it. It's 847-579-9771. Any, any information, anything, mm-hmm. just anything to get these girls found. Mm-hmm. Tiana and Diamond Bradley, 10 and three when they went missing. They would be 23 and 30. No, 25 and 32 and 31 and 31. Yeah. It could have been this story I was reading. Oh, no, no, no. It was research I was doing for my two episodes from now. Okay. They had talked about because it had been obviously a lot of time had passed between the the person um, being killed and and now. And the one person was saying how like it's hard to imagine them 10 years older than they are. Yeah. Like you still picture them like these little girls. They were 10 and three. Yeah. And like how do you picture them at 31 and 25? Like how do you do that? It's super hard. Like even when they Mm -hmm. do those um, altered images to show aging, it's it's still so weird. It's so weird. There are age progression photos. Mm. Um, The Charlie Project had them on there. So I'm going to make sure that I put those on. um, I'm going to make sure I put those on the Instagram photo post. Yes. Um, Yeah. Uh, Tianda circa 2001. The last one is the age progression to 30 of 2021. So I will... Uh, put that on the Instagram post. And obviously there's one for diamond as well. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that story and, you know, mm-hmm. keeping their names in people's mouths and just thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully one of our listeners has some kind of information that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. So with all that being said, thank you guys so much for listening this week. We appreciate mm-hmm. you as always. Mm-hmm. Feel free to send us an email with any story suggestions or if you watched one of our recommendations or listened to one of our recommendations, let us know what you think. You know, if you agree mm-hmm. with us, if we have horrible taste, whatever. <laughs> um, either way, mm-hmm. send us that email at bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com. And don't forget your assignment from last week. Yes. Tell us about your non-romantic true love we want to know about that please please Mm -hmm. we want we want to know it doesn't have to be an essay or anything besides me jovi who is your non-romantic true love do you have anybody besides me or is it just me (laughs) you can tell me no it's my babies oh the pups my babies my puppies yeah Yeah. they're they're my world they're my my molly poppies is one too yes yes (laughs) but you're my only human one so (laughs) me Oh, um, Instagram. We are on the Instagram at Bed Crime Stories. Feel free to follow Instagram. us at the Instagram. Send us a DM, you know, the mm-hmm. usual. Tag us in some cool stories, you know, mm-hmm. fun things. Cool story, bro. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> wherever you are listening, make sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, tell mm-hmm. your friends, mm-hmm. tell them how rad we are. And like, you just love us because you do. Mm-hmm. we say this every episode please be kind be the band-aid 
a smile, a hug, a wave, it goes a long way. You never mm -hmm. know what the person that you're smiling, waving, hugging is going through. And they Absolutely. may have really needed that to step back off the ledge, mm -hmm. hypothetically and literally. Literally. Mm -hmm. I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Yeah. Well, again, guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate, appreciate and love each and every single one of you. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your day, your night, your weekend all that fun stuff. We'll see you all next week. But until then, sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.